0: Hi, I'm Elaine Boddy.
1: And I'm David Treadway.
0: Welcome to the Food Book Pod
1: with Matthew's Cotswold Flower.
0: So here we are again, David. Good to be back. And I really hope that people enjoyed our previous episode and that they've had a listen to Scott and his pizzas.
1: It was a great experience from our point of view, wasn't it? Because the the, the pizzas that he cooked were just amazing. Both the the courgette pizza, the pepperoni with vodka sauce, which I don't think you tried for obvious reasons, but it was lovely. Mm -hmm. And also the garlic dough strips. Fantastic. Since we recorded that episode... I've actually made Scott's Neapolitan pizza dough recipe. The first time I've ever got really extensible dough that properly stretches in order to to get the right size for the pizza. I'm not saying the shaping was as good <laughs> as it could have been. But I think I need some more lessons in that. But of course, it's a it's a, a yeasted dough, so it's easier to do than doing it with sourdough, which yeah. tends to shrink back.
0: And, I, I mean, watching Scott do it with just, you know, did the perfect rounds that he created it was just amazing. Yeah. Um, but, and for me, I really liked the lightness of his pizzas. Especially the courgette one, which I know he made especially for me. But no, I didn't try the vodka sauce and pepperoni one, but I did take home some of the vodka sauce. So it was great a tomato and cream sauce with yeah. the vodka in. Yeah. Um, so actually, the vodka wasn't strong in it.
1: Well, I still haven't worked out. And one of my questions I wish I'd asked him, actually, while he was demonstrating the, the recipe... Vodka in itself doesn't actually have a very strong taste, does it? So, And given that alcohol evaporates when you you cook things, what's the point of a vodka sauce?
0: Well, I don't know. Considering that I'm not a drinker, to me, vodka would be a strong taste. But I don't know. Um, It's certainly a
1: spirit taste. There's a tang to it, isn't there?
0: But for me, I mean, the sauce, if people want to look back at the recipe, the sauce was lovely. Mm. I must admit, I did eat some with a spoon because it was because <laughs> it was really very tasty so i got to try that bit that sounds um, a wonderful <laughs> thing to do actually that's great but yeah so i hope people have had a chance to listen if they haven't please go back and check it out but also do check back out to our website if you'd like to see his recipes but moving on to this episode indeed you find us on this occasion in south london and in the beautiful home of Sophie Rushton-Smith to talk to her about her food, um, her top tips, and she's going to be cooking for us. But, I mean, what a beautiful space.
1: It was a a, a beautiful space, which she shares with her husband, Gavin, who's a very well-known and highly accomplished press photographer. Mm -hmm. But, yes, what a beautiful house.
0: So let's meet Sophie Rushton-Smith, and I asked her when she first became interested in food.
2: Well, I think I've, I've always loved food and my mother was a very good cook and she would, she would have big dinner parties and I would help out. And she had some Robert Carrier cookery cards okay. in little, uh, little packets. And I, and I went to someone's house the other day and I found you know, they had a whole set of them, which was quite something. You know, I used to look at all these amazing photographs of um, exotic
0: foods and want to cook them so she was happy for you to get involved then? Yes,
2: I would be put in charge of making, uh, cooking vegetables, making sure they were al dente. And, um, and they'd usually start off with a bottle of champagne. So once they'd headed down to the dining room, I would go and drink the leftovers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember when my, um, when my mum used to make, um, have dinner parties, it was the only time there was ever sweet things in the house, really. Yeah. And she always used to make um, profiteroles. And my uh, brother and I would be just hoping and praying that there would be some left. <laughs> yes. So that we'd be down there on a Sunday morning <laughs> with profiteroles for our breakfast. What would you say now then, would you would, I mean, it's a very broad question, what would you consider to be your favourite food?
2: Well, it's a moving target, really, because I, I have the opportunity to try so many wonderful things. It's hard to have a favourite. I mean, my favourite cuisine is probably, is Middle Eastern, which is something I'm very familiar with. And, and a lot of the Thai flavours and, and Korean flavours are coming into our kitchen more now, but particularly Middle Eastern.
0: OK, so whilst we're on that one then, I know I've seen, because I've seen online, that you've done a couple of apprenticeships at Ottolengi, which must be amazing. <laughs> amazing. So how do they even come about?
2: Oh, well, I, I, I'm a, in a group with some what they call the Ottolengi Housewives.
0: Oh, I've seen that. Yep. Yeah, and um, they
2: cook Ottolengi all the time and then he reposts the pictures on Instagram and Twitter and I saw that one of the Ottolengi Housewives was in Nopi, which is um, one of the Ottolengi restaurants Yeah, and I thought, well, how did he do that? So I contacted her and she very kindly gave me some information and, and I applied, so you apply online on their website and you have to explain your experience and tell them what you've done. <laughs> and they looked at my Instagram account and they welcomed me into the Nopi kitchen. Wow. So I did two weeks there and I broke my toe the day before. So I, <laughs> I was so determined to work there that I carried on. I had my chef shoes, so my feet, feet were protected. Yeah. And no one said a word, but I hobbled around the kitchen and it was all in front of all the guests as well. So your position in the kitchen was literally in front of everybody so it was it was great fun and it was it was amazing the the teamwork yeah and the kind of the choreography of all the chefs moving around the kitchen sort of almost I mean the, the occasional word you know backs and sharps and hot to let people know where you were but they just slid around the kitchen it, it, it was it was just phenomenal to, to watch it happen it was a, a work of art really.
0: So like an orchestra.
2: Exactly, yeah. And then I did another stage at Ottenengi Spitalfields this, yeah. this August, which was a very different kitchen because because you're not exposed to all these. No, that one's in the, the ways. Yeah, it? so there was yeah. a bit more music and, and a bit more you know interactions, verbal interactions. So it was, it was that was great fun too.
0: So was Ottolenghi there? Was his... he, would,
2: he would come in and he would introduce himself. And then it wasn't until I said I was the corner plot that he, he welcomed me and gave me a massive hug and, <laughs> and said you shown him how to, to <laughs> present the dishes. But it was, I mean, it was phenomenal because you, you're cooking in a home kitchen for, let's say, a maximum of 12 people. Whereas when you go into a professional kitchen, you are not using 120 mils of vinegar and 80 mils of, of honey. You're, you're, you've got liters, you've got 12 liters of vinegar yeah. and eight liters of honey, and then you're mixing it in great vats. And then you have to carry these vats around the kitchen. Oh, I mean, it's just,
0: you wanna make sure you get all the the ratios right. It's huge scale up. Yeah. So were there key things that you took from those kitchens, do you think, that you've brought back into your kitchen? Def- definitely, I think um, cross-contamination is really important.
2: Uh, Knives, making sure you look after your knives and don't sharpen them badly. <laughs> I think storing all your food products and dating them. I think one thing that we all fail to do is open a jar or something, and then don't write the date on. And it says use within six weeks. So actually, what you do is you get your little little sharpie pen and write on the top the date you opened it.
0: Uh, yeah, which I yes, simple, absolutely easy. Because every so often I get to the point when I think I should check these jars and you open it and you see the bit of mould on the top.
2: Yeah, as a scientist, you should never take the mould off the top and eat the underneath because the mould's formed after all the bacteria have gone through the entire product. So you're just eating bacteria. Definitely don't do it. Oh, okay. Because also those um, bacteria can cause cancer.
0: Well, okay, I'm learning. So if we, if we, would this be one of your top tips then? So if I was to ask you your three top tips, this is a key one is to make sure that you put a date on the things yeah. when you open them so that you can remember how long they've been in there for.
2: Exactly. But I think increasingly we're moving to this point where we are not using sell by, used by dates yes. and we're now sniffing. So I think there's a kind of like a balance between safety in terms of how long you're going to keep something in the fridge. I always keep my marmalades, my jams in the fridge. I never keep them in the cupboard. So I think that my top tip is, is, is use your nose, but also with products, make sure you check you're not leaving them in the fridge for three months or something. Okay, Because it's not a good idea.
0: Brilliant, thank you very much. We'll take note of that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> one thing I've learnt is that if you have dried yeast in your kitchen, which I do have, I don't mm-hmm. always have fresh yeast, I have dried yeast, if you use it, it you you might be within date, but sometimes it's just too old, and you do not get the rise. So yeah. you can make your lovely bait goods, and then it just doesn't rise, and it's just devastating. You've spent all that time making something beautiful, and it it doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's happened a couple of times, so. So again, yeah. what to don't check buy the date? too much yeast. Don't, yes, yes, just buy the individual sachets and make sure you you keep them well within the date. So, what would be your third top tip? My third top tip is something deeply personal, and I think if you're in a really bad mood, which of course I never am, um, it's really not good to cook, (laughs) because I just find it it doesn't always work out and you don't get
0: that satisfaction. (laughs) I'm not
2: sure if that's a top tip, but that's No, but I
0: hear you with that one because I have this conversation with people about sourdough. I have said to people before, sourdough responds to emotion definitely and actually I and, and if you are making it and you are not feeling in a good place the dough will feel it the dough does respond yeah, to it yeah um, and I, I meant the last time it's been a while but the last time I made a really duff loaf was because I was on edge I'd got the the food hygiene guy to come around and was checking my kitchen and you know I was making sure everything's all right and I, I completely messed up how I was baking it
2: yeah you know yeah. because
0: it was responding to that I think you're you're not
2: in in the zone. You
0: but also to. I think if you are in a really bad mood don't make food cuz you're just going to scoff it all anyway. <laughs> I think you just just yeah walk away.
2: Well I do have another top tip
0: then. Okay.
2: I think um <clears throat> if you make something which is just perhaps a little bit bland a little bit one dimensional a bit disappointing then I like to add a little bit of uh rose harissa or something like that in yes just to lift it yeah and then if you've got herbs you've got a whole load of herbs sort of going a bit droopy then you can blitz it up with some yogurt um, add a bit of garlic a bit of lemon juice a bit of salt and pepper and you can make a really nice sort of
0: sauce just to perk up a dish my other thing is leftovers Mm -hmm. i have a big thing about leftovers because i think leftovers actually are tastier than the actual dish because they have more time to kind of develop their flavours. Yeah. So what would be your favourite thing to make with leftovers or to use leftovers for? If you've got a selection of things, what would you put together?
2: One leftover I think which I do enjoy is if I cook a roast chicken, mm-hmm. which I know is not going to be your thing, but if I'm going to cook a roast chicken, then either cook two, because then you can you're only using your oven once, and yeah. then you can use that food the next day in... Uh, for example, some kind of miso soup, you could shred it, add it to some miso soup with some spring onions and a bit of, add a bit of sesame and some ginger. So you can maximise the, the use of your oven. But also what I like to do with the roast chicken is to put it on in a stock pot and make a really nice stock. Sometimes it'll reduce right down. If you reduce it really down so it turns into a jelly, then you can just put it into ice cubes and put it in your freezer and okay. use it in the future. So is that with the carcass? With the carcass. So just add in a few vegetables, whatever you've got, chuck it in the pot and just simmer it on a, on a low heat for a couple of hours. And then you'll, you'll end up with a really beautiful stock. But don't boil it because then all the fat goes into it, which isn't great.
0: This is the kind of thing I don't know because yeah. I, I don't. But whenever we do have a roast, my, my husband and son will always choose chicken. That's their food of choice. Yeah. If, if Like my mother-in-law's round, she always takes the carcass away. I was like, oh, do, you, do you want this? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she'd be picking all the bits <laughs> off and taking the carcass and going off and doing something with it. Yeah. So it never goes to waste. But, yeah, because it's not my thing, I wouldn't really know what I was doing with it. Yeah, yeah. Which leads me on to my next question then. So being that I am vegetarian, what would you make me?
2: Well, I, I'm totally in love with, with butter beans and Ooh. all the heritage butter beans that are available now. And there are some really fantastic... Products. So there's one I get which is from Brindisa and and another one from Bold Bean. And they are heritage beans. So they're not the cheapest, but my goodness me, you can certainly taste the difference. And they're big and they're just creamy and they're full of flavour. They're also great for the soil because they're nitrogen fixers. So they don't need fertilizers. The farmers can grow them, they're going to improve the quality of the soil. They the nitrogen they convert into protein so that you've got your protein element in a vegetarian product and they're just fantastic and you can have them on toast you can bake them with things you can mash them up into a lovely mash with garlic and rosemary and lemon juice and lots of olive oil so they're just really versatile and they're tasty they're good for the soil good for the planet good for your gut it's a win-win as far as i'm concerned
1: you're listening to the food bod pod with matthew's cotswold flour Inspired baking from Britain's artisan flour miller.
0: We've now moved over to Sophie's kitchen and I asked her to tell me a little bit more about herself.
2: Well, I'm a scientist by training. I did a PhD in marine biology in fish parasites. So I'm known as Dr Fish. Oh! (laughs) It was the name the butcher gave me when he saw my my checkbook in the days we had checks. And then I went into medical research. They are now working cardiology, mainly.
0: So that's your day job? Yes. Um, okay. Food is also becoming more of your job, I see, <laughs> and kind of filtering into that. So where do you see the overlaps between what you do in your science world to your food world?
2: Well, I think in, in terms of the, the, the all the chemical reactions that you have going on in food, you know, the caramelisation to create flavour, and in baking. So, for example, I made a soda bread today, and... You have to have your acidity and your bicarbonate
0: of soda for the bread to rise. There's so many recipes that are based on using those two factors, aren't there? When you put a bowl together with some flour, acid and your bicarbonate of soda and you see it go, yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah, brilliant, absolutely <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Because I
2: didn't actually have any buttermilk, so I had to add acid to my milk. I put lemon juice in and it all kind of slightly coagulated a little bit. Uh, so it was sitting on, on the island for half an hour with the lemon juice and it, then it started to thicken up a bit. And then I added through some treacle and some honey and then gave it a good mix because it all ends up on the bottom. So it takes quite a while to whisk through those, those thick syrups.
0: Oh, brilliant. We are going
2: to move on to... Making some food. Right, well, one of the first things I learnt in um, NOPE is to make sure you've got a sharp knife. It's much safer.
0: So that's always the first thing that you do? Yeah,
2: so make sure okay. your knife is sharp, because if it's not sharp, you're more likely to cut yourself. So what is it you're going to make for us today? I'm going to make a, a butter bean dish. So these big fat Judeon butter beans, they're heritage beans. You can see how thick they are. They're beautiful, they're huge. Seen. And there's also a kind of a, a liquid in there, which is quite viscous. And you don't actually need to drain it, you can just add it in because it tastes great. I must admit, if I buy
0: chickpeas, I always buy them in a jar. Oh, uh, so much better. Always. Absolutely. They make such a difference no to everything that you make. No. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to be making for us with these?
2: So I'm going to make a kind of a tomato sauce. I'm going to add a bit of black garlic to it. I'm going to add some white garlic, black garlic, some lemon. It's going to be an onion base, first of all. Then add in some chilies and some tomato pulper, which doesn't take much cooking at all. Okay. And I'm going to bake a feta cheese with a bit of coriander seed and lemon and
0: mm. olive oil on top. So we've got a really nice selection of ingredients going on here. This, I mean, this whole highly appeals to me, I have to say. So over to you then, Chef.
2: Okay, the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to put a wet towel, very thin wet towel under my chopping board. Oh, to stop it from slipping. Yep, another okay. thing I learnt in the Otterlingi restaurants. We'd call this
0: a J-cloth, wouldn't we? But just yeah, a thin
2: towel, just yep. underneath your wooden board. If it's too, if it's too thick, it'll just keep bouncing around. So, okay. And then, you know, you can't move your board, so it's much safer. So we've got a red onion. I must admit, I always go for red onions. I don't keep mine in the fridge, do you? No. And just peel off the outer layer. So to make sure that the pieces are small. I've also kept the the base, the root, attached so that it doesn't all fall apart when I'm cutting it. So I'm going to cut down from top to bottom and then I'm going to cut the opposite way way. so so we have lots of fine pieces.
0: Just diced. And then you end up with the root still at the other end and it stopped it from falling apart. Exactly. You've done this before, I see. I've done it before. I'm not as quick as a as the chef's in the kitchen's and you can see how sharp that knife is there we go and we're going to
2: have a bit of garlic so we'll get the onion going first
0: soften it we don't want it browning we just want it softened so we've got a nice big pan sitting on the hob which is now going to be having a splash of beautiful olive oil my uh, sister-in-law is spanish and Ah. she uh, has educated me in olive oil and
1: I must admit, it's my
0: favourite, if I can say it properly, the albicino. I'll let you think. (laughs) Something like that. Anyway, so we've got some olive oil in the pan and we're on a medium heat. You can cook on a a higher temperature than than we all
2: thought with extra virgin olive oil. Okay, so the onion's in the pan. Oh, I'm trying not to cry. I'm going to add a little bit of salt to that, a bit of cornish sea salt. Okay. I don't use table salt ever. Right. And i tell you what, you don't find table salt in, in the Ottolenghi restaurants either. It's all, it's all mould and salt.
0: Oh, okay. Great
2: tubs of it. So even when you're cooking, anything they're cooking, it's all done with this fantastic big flakes. I'll let you deal with that. So we just want it on, just gently cooking, not browning. Do you want me to be moving it around or leave it for a yeah, bit? Um, move it around in a minute, but I think we all over stir our pans too yep. much. So Once just so occasionally. Yeah. So I've got some dried purple oregano, Spanish, and I've got some garlic grown by my friend in his garden. So I get a bit of garlic garlic out. That was lovely. So with the garlic, I've just taken out a clove and I'm going to put the knife on top of it with the blade away from me, slightly pointing down. And I'm just going to give it a whack. And that will take the skin off really easily. The other thing actually, which is really, I think one of the best tips I heard was, when you've chopped garlic and you've got garlic on your hands, wash your hands in cold water. Yeah. Because then the, the, your, your pores in your hand don't open up and all the garlic smell doesn't go impregnating in your skin. So we're just going to chop the garlic
0: a bit. Oh, you can really smell. The onions look lovely. Just, it's just a really simple dish. That you can put together you know on a weekday night. See I've seen some of the things you put on Instagram and there was that egg tortilla wrap thing that you put on. (laughs) Uh, Sophie's just added her finely chopped garlic to the pot and I said to you how useful it was and I tagged a friend of mine in it because I thought it was a really useful recipe and you were almost embarrassed saying oh it's not really a recipe but it is because (laughs) something like that to someone is really useful it was a pan with some egg and you put the wrap over the top, didn't you? So it, it ended up being something you folded up together. It did really well actually. I was really surprised because it was such a simple thing, I almost didn't post it. But and I think that's it. Yeah. It's those little simple things yeah. that you make easily and quickly that people suddenly realize actually this is cooking too. Whereas yeah. it doesn't have to be a great huge big thing. And also I cooked some I had some offcuts of smoked salmon. So I
2: did another one where I just put some smoked salmon and I had some spring onions and just chucked that in the pan, put a couple of beaten eggs on the top, flipped in the flatbread, cooked it for a couple of minutes, flopped it over and there you go, it's a a simple and really delicious lunch.
0: And it works really well. So I'm just going to make the point, we are here in Sophie's kitchen, (laughs) so this is Sophie's home, hence you can hear the doorbell (laughs) going, because that is real life. (laughs) And uh, I've got some dried oregano. I'm just going to Oh just crushing it. Crush so you don't it. because it's dried, you can just put it between your fingers.
2: Yeah, and I just added that to the onion. Straight into give the that pan. A stir, if you wouldn't mind. Is this all right on this heat? Do I need to change the heat? I think I turn it down a bit. And then I'm going to add a bit of Aleppo pepper.
0: Oh, I like that stuff. Yeah. I think because it's got such a it, it so has a hint good. of spice to it without it being too strong. Yeah. I throw it in everything.
2: Yes. And it's a lovely colour. Yes. So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get the feta, I've got a block of feta and I've got a lemon yep. and I'm just going to use this zester to take off the, take off the skin, leave the white pith behind which is bitter.
0: If you're zesting a lemon, what yeah. you have to do is you have to move your hand. Oh okay, so what Sophie's doing is using a peeler and just kind of zigzagging across so yeah. that you've got a beautiful bit of... So it It's really thin. It, yeah, it doesn't so take off So you're not all taking all of the pith with it.
2: Exactly. But I do have the zester, and that's... Uh, it creates these long
0: pieces of lemon zest. Oh, and you can smell it. can see the um, bits of lemon in the air. Yeah. You can really smell it. So we've got... I'm going to chuck that in the... Actually, oh. can you turn that down just a little bit, please?
2: Yep. I'm going to put a bit of black garlic in there, too.
0: Ah, oh, this of stuff. earthy flavour. Black garlic is just so yummy because it's caramelised and it's that's how it's it's not actually caramelized it's how it tastes yeah because it's it's more in the process of how they dry it but i i had to stop buying this stuff because i would just buy a pot and eat the whole lot (laughs) do you eat it just as a just as straight out the pot
2: i've never tried that i know you can do that i've never tried it
0: what's not very nice though is if you make um because i make a lot of hummus if you put black garlic in your hummus you end up with it grey.
2: Uh, a real like, grey not, dirty not looking a good thing. Look.
0: <laughs> it's packed full of flavour but not very attractive.
2: <laughs> so I've got some coriander seeds. I'm just going to pop those in this pestle and mortar and give them a light bash.
0: And we will have this recipe written down for you. So you will be able to actually see this written if that's okay. I didn't tell you yeah. that bit. You're right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, we go, there we go with the coriander. And a bit of black pepper because I love pepper. So, this is
0: all going on top of the feta. So, we've got the feta yep. in a little bowl, and we've got and a good drizzle of olive oil. We've got the lemon rind, we've got some slightly bashed coriander seeds, we've got some pepper, and we've got some olive oil. A little bit, and of, thyme. A little bit of thyme, dried thyme over the oh, top. Oh, sorry, oregano. 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 Right. And that is going to go in the oven like that. I'm actually going to put a little bit of Aleppo. Pepper on it as well. That's really colourful. So that goes really in a pretty. hot oven,
2: 200 for about 20 minutes.
0: Okay, so would you like to check this and see how this is going? Yeah. Okay, I that's have turned it down.
2: great. So now we're going to add a tin of pulper, which is just chopped tomatoes. It doesn't need much cooking and it doesn't need any extra.
0: So, what's pulper different from passata? Is it's, it just a bit thicker by the looks of it? This has got a bit more texture to it. And it's
2: Italian tomatoes picked when they're nice and ripe, and and they they make sure that they are the right uh, acidity, so you don't have to add any
0: any sugar or vinegar to balance the flavour. So we've now got in the pan our lovely onion and garlic and the aleppo pepper and the oregano. we just tomato to let simmer for a bit. And then we've got these beautiful beans. So you're going to pour the whole thing even with the sauce, with the juice as well? Is that all going to go in with the juice yeah. as well? Yeah. OK. Yeah. To get these out, are beautiful, big, fat beans.
2: We need to get a knife to get them out because you don't want to damage them. Because so there's not carefully actually... carefully
0: easing them out. There's not much juice in there. Oh, there isn't actually, no, is there? No, no. So we've now got the beans in the pan as well. Do you, oh, you like spicy things? Yeah, I'm okay with spicy. Have you tried fermented peppercorns? I haven't. Would you like to try one? Oh, I don't know. What, straight as it is? Yeah. <laughs> this would be interesting then. I'll just make sure I've got a drink close by. just to eat it as it is. Yeah, they, they serve them. like You can have them with
2: drinks. Oh. Fruity notes, then it turns peppery.
0: Very good for your gut. Yeah. Oh, and then you start. Well, then you start to get the heat. Yeah. For someone that doesn't usually eat pepper, you start you? to get the heat going <laughs> into your throat. And oh. then, ah, now I need a drink. Oh my <laughs> word! Excuse me. Whilst I have a bit of
2: my tea. Pepper for me is probably the most important spice in the kitchen.
0: Actually, for me, it's roasted cumin. Mm. Oh. I roast my own cumin seeds. Definitely and got them.
2: to oh. yeah don't buy it grind, just make sure you buy the whole
0: ones and then yeah. right, toast them gently until you see the I tell you, you what of though, someone did recently on Instagram, which looks really good, she toasted hers in the air fryer. Oh really? Yeah, worked really sort. well. So we now have our sauce starting to bubble away a little bit. So we're just gonna let that um. So this thin is, is just to really cook through the beans just to warm them up? Yeah, yeah. And behind me then in the oven we have the feta going on. So this is quite a kind of like a um, a, a wet let's say wet dish. Um,
2: so we've got some bread, we've got the soda bread to go with it, and we've got the the, the roasted feta to go on top, which will give it a nice kind of uh, contrast. So
0: you're them. going to put
2: the feta on the top. You can put it on, on the top, or you can serve it on the side. But I'm going to cover it with some dill and some parsley, lots of lovely
0: fresh herbs. See, I would almost be tempted to. Um with my shakshuka head on, is to crack an egg in it. Well,
2: that's that's exactly what you can do. Yeah. That's exactly what you can do.
0: Especially for me, being vegetarian, yeah. for me, yeah. then it adds some protein into it as yeah. well. Yeah,
2: but you've got the protein in the beans too. So that's you've true. Got, uh, and I
0: think that's what people don't realise when they're looking for protein options, is beans are great. Yeah. They're a great option for protein.
2: Yeah.
0: You're listening to The Food Bod Pod with Matthews Cotswold Flower bringing you Britain's largest speciality flour range. So are we now at the point of being ready to serve? We
2: are. The feta cheese is ready. It's in the oven, just finishing off. I've got some lovely dill and some parsley. I'm just going to give it a quick chop. Then put the beans in the dish, put the feta cheese on top and serve it with the soda bread. Okay. So just a so little chopping. So we've got
0: fresh flat leaf parsley.
2: Yep, I'm just going to I've taken off the stems and I'm just going to squeeze it together and then just chop it. So with the with the parsley you can chop it both ways and it yeah. doesn't get all crushed and bruised. It's it's a firmer herb. With coriander you, you, you shouldn't do that. Okay. So there's the parsley and then we've got this lovely dill. A Mediterranean flavour. Lovely. Just chop that one way, that's fine.
0: Ready to go. So, so we've got a nice big serving dish. Yep. And I'm just going to serve the beans on top. So spooning the beans straight yep. into the middle of the plate. So the sauce has thickened up nicely. <sighs> And you can see specks of the black garlic there's a bit of lemon there it's all the cooked bits around the edges where it yeah. kind of sticks to it that's the bit that i would be getting spatula and just <laughs> cleaning all of that they know in my kitchen that nothing is finished until i've got a spatula and gone all the way around the inside of something <laughs>
2: now we're going to get the batter out of the oven I'm pretty sure you could cook this in an air fryer as well. I did I'm sure you
0: could because it's the head, the element is down from the top. Exactly. So the feta has come out. Oh, the gut olive oil is bubbling away. Yeah. So it's nice and soft. And we've got, got the pieces on the top, it's all slightly very baked. Very carefully oh.
2: transfer it over.
0: Because where it's been baked, it's having a bit of goo going on.
2: Yeah. And then there's some lovely olive oil. So I'm just going to pour that over the top.
0: Fabulous.
2: It's got a lovely texture when it's been baked.
0: God, it smells good.
2: And then we're just going to sprinkle it with lots of lovely
0: herbs. That looks amazing. And that is ready to go. That is ready to go. So So if you would like to see all the details of how Sophie has made this, we will have the recipe on our website um, and you'll be able to watch the full video that we'll have on our YouTube channel and we'll also have some snippets on Instagram. Um, and what we're about to do now, Sophie's about to slice this soda bread. So, can you just tell me, because I know you use beautiful flowers in this, so what flowers did you use in the soda bread?
2: So, I used the ancient
0: Cotswold Crunch,
2: ancient grains and spelt flakes. So, this is this. the
0: Matthew's Cotswold Flour, ancient Cotswold Crunch. I love that. Nothing is better than Cotswold Crunch flour. Yeah. Okay, so you've, that's, it's all just that flour? So you've it's got just the, that flour. Just that flour. Yeah, because
2: it's already a mix, so I thought,
0: well, I'll just try it with that. With your homemade buttermilk and your bicarbonate soda. It's got
2: bicarb, it's got uh, treacle and it's got some honey.
0: Look at that. You can see the speckles all the way through. It's got oats as well in it. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to tuck in and thank you so much for having us in your kitchen. It's just the kitchen's beautiful. Watching you cook (laughs) is beautiful. I love it because it's such a the movement is a dance around the kitchen because you know where everything is in your kitchen. <laughs> yes. And it's just, I, but I like that when I'm at home, it's that dance around all of your space. So um, I'm sorry, poor listener, but we're gonna tuck in <laughs> and we'll let you know that I'm sure it's gonna be absolutely gorgeous. And um, you know, if you were here with us, maybe we'd share a bit with you. Yeah. But thank you for having us. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> well, David. That was a nice meal, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely amazing. I've not previously been a huge fan of butter beans and, and, and those kind of large beans. I remember as a kid, my mother used to cook them quite a lot and I, I just wasn't a fan. <laughs> but these were delicious, cooked in that rich tomato sauce and with the feta cheese. It was really lovely.
0: Uh, but what I remember, if I think of butter beans as a child, they were small, hard slightly green weren't they
1: yeah and they probably came out of a can or they'd been bought dried and yeah. and rehydrated you know soaked overnight
0: Whereas these were lovely, big, fat, creamy oh, beans. Lovely, yeah. And you could mash them and eat them with a bit more of the
1: sauce. You could. And in fact, Sophie mentioned that another way to serve them is almost like a, a, a mashed potato. Mm. accompaniment, mashed up with some garlic, some olive oil, maybe some herbs and salt and pepper in there. Absolutely delicious, I can imagine. So I'm a convert.
0: I have to say, I was trying to be polite by not finishing off what was on the plate but um, Gavin managed to beat me to it. (laughs) Yes. I think if I'd been at home, I'd have been licking the plate, Uh, but it Uh, definitely was one to serve with bread as well because the sauce was so nice.
1: And she served with some soda bread, which was also delicious. I tried to recreate her recipe, which I think I got, about right but not as far as soda bread is concerned <laughs> in fact i underbaked it so it was a bit doughy when i served it but um lesson learned
0: well that's fine seeing as i'm the person that's taught you about sourdough i can cope with that as long as you get <laughs> as long as you get your sourdough right that's yeah, all right absolutely
1: <laughs> i wouldn't tell you if i didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so if you would like to find these recipes you would like to see how to make them you'll be able to find them on our website there's full details on there Do watch us on the YouTube channel as well because you can see Sophie making this. You can also see her her knife sharpener in action which I have to say, as a result, I have now purchased one.
1: Accidentally, I understand.
0: Accidentally. It accidentally fell into my shopping basket (laughs) online and I did text Sophie and say, I blame you but actually it works a treat. It's the first time in a long time that my knives have actually been sharp at home.
1: Do you know, I'm not certain that we've got knives good enough (laughs) <laughs> to, to warrant spending that amount of money on a knife sharpener but
0: maybe it's just because your knives haven't been sharpened maybe they would be good enough yeah maybe if, maybe yeah. we
1: should buy some new knives
0: <laughs> but yeah so the knife sharpener is fabulous and, but all of it the whole experience was was absolutely great and you know the the dish was absolutely perfect for me and it was a lovely lunch dish. I think it would work well because it was a sharing dish it was lovely round a table. There was so much of it that worked well.
1: Yeah.
0: So thank you again to Sophie and Gavin for having us in their home and welcoming us into the kitchen. It was a, a lovely visit, and we hope that everybody has really enjoyed listening to the episode. You're listening to The Food Bod Pod with Matthews Cotswold Flower. Cotswold Crunch is a speciality flour. A mix of malted wheat flakes and malt flour and strong bread flour and is perfect for your bread and rolls. This flour has a nutty taste and a signature darker colour. This is a flour I use.
1: Well now for something slightly different. You find us at the Business Design Centre in North London where Elaine and I are attending the podcast show. But we're here because there's something very special to talk about, which is Elaine's new book. And the title is?
0: It is Easy Everyday Sourdough Bread Baking.
1: Now this is your third book. And to be honest, I wouldn't have thought that there's three books in sourdough bread. What (laughs) else have you got to talk about?
0: so many people say how can you even after the first book how can you fill a second book with sourdough i think anything that you love maybe you can write a lot about but you know with sourdough there's so much possibility and because as far as i'm concerned there is no version of bread that you can't make with a sourdough starter it gives you endless opportunity plus that base dough can be used for so many things. You can put so many different ingredients with it. You can turn it into so many different shapes. It can carry so much that really, you know, three books is just the beginning.
1: So so <laughs> can we look forward to a fourth, maybe?
0: Oh, who knows, who knows?
1: <laughs> so this is the third. The first was uh, whole grain yes. sourdough at home. Then we had the sourdough whisperer. Yes. And now this one, uh, how does it differ from the other two?
0: This is a question I'm asked so often um, and I think to try and clarify uh, they are different because there are different elements. So the first one covers whole grain flowers and ancient grain flowers talking about what they are and how to use them in sourdough recipes how to make allowances for those flowers and also recipes using them but also using them to make starters and the difference they can make. Uh, the middle book, The Sourdough Whisperer that really is the Bible, really. That's, that is everything I could download from my brain about how I make sourdough, so that you've got everything you need to know. So if somebody is brand new to sourdough, even if they're not brand new, they're already baking, there's everything in that book to answer every question you never knew you had.
1: So I've got all three books, and thank you for an advanced copy of of the third, and already it's invaluable, but it's interesting that the second book, if I was starting again, the second book is the one I'd go to first.
0: Absolutely, and this is merely because for the first book the publisher came to me with a proposition of wanting a, a whole grain book. I then went to them with the proposition for The Sourdough Whisperer. So yeah, you would think it should have been the first one, And if someone is now looking at my books or coming to sourdough, that would always be my recommendation to start with that one and then see where you want to go. And you know, the sourdough whisperer covers everything, starter, dough, timing, everything. And then once you've got those basics and that understanding, you can take it anywhere. So this current one, the third one, easy everyday sourdough bread baking, my concept for this one, was having received so many questions about sourdough from so many people. I know now what the key concerns are with making sourdough. I know the areas people struggle with and I know also what people have got in their kitchens. So it's a two-pronged thing in this third book. Partly because I wanted to be able to produce recipes that were easy to handle and manage. So shaping the dough can often be something that people worry about. Uh, or struggle with. So I've designed the recipes to remove that element so that they're all recipes where there's easy shaping. So the the doughs are designed to be easy to handle or the way that they're shaped for the recipes makes them easy to handle and easy to manipulate, which goes hand in hand with the other side of the book, which is I wanted to be able to write recipes that utilize all of the things we've got in our kitchens already. So we've bought the pans to bake our bread in. We've got oven trays, we've got muffin tins, we've got cake tins. So the recipes are all designed to be able to use all of those tins as well and pans. So you buy your bread bread pan, sometimes it can be your most expensive pan. The ones I use aren't because I use lightweight ones that are not expensive, but you might want to use it in different ways. So I've designed recipes to be able to use that pan in lots of different ways, not just for baking a single loaf. So they are the two elements. So if you take into account some easily handled doughs with the different pans you've got, so I've got a whole selection of recipes that use a muffin pan, muffin tray. So you're winding up the dough, you're rolling it up and putting them in the muffin hollows. So even if you think you're shaping isn't grey, or you're worried about shaping the dough, you don't need to worry about it because the muffin pan's going to do it for you.
1: And what do you hope people will get from Book Through?
0: I'm really excited about it because I think it's pure creativity. That's the way that I approached it. I expanded my brain as much as possible and whatever ideas I had I flung at the dough to see if it would work. So once you've mastered sourdough and you understand how it works, then get creative and play. And that's what this book is. So there's lots of different flavours. There's new ideas, there's new takes on old ideas. So it's to experiment and be brave, I think.
1: As people will know, our partner in this season of podcasts is Matthew Cotswold Flower. Is it a coincidence that you use mainly Matthews Cotswold flowers in your recipes?
0: Actually, no, because I came to Matthews purely by chance. I was looking for some white spelt flour, and I found their white spelt flour online on Amazon. And I liked it so much, I then started to look into the company more and tried more of their flowers. So actually, this has been something that's evolved nicely and naturally organically, I suppose. Rather than the other way around, that I, it wasn't that a product was recommended to me or asked if I could promote it at all. And I don't work that way. I'd, I would only ever recommend products that I use. And these are flowers that I used and loved. So this partnership works perfectly because it's, it's real. It's, it's from true experience. So yes, their flowers all work with my recipes because I like them. And I, I know that they work, so that's why I recommend them.
1: Now, apart from the recipes, you also get involved in more than just writing the recipes for your books, don't you? Especially from the second one on, you're you're far more involved in the rest of the creativity.
0: Yeah, I think with the first book, it was a complete new world to me, and I didn't understand... I didn't know anything about the process. I didn't understand really what involvement I could have. and um, Because my... Publisher is in the States, but I'm here in the UK. I found a local photographer, food photographer that I could work with since we were working in my kitchen, in my house. So we shot everything in my home and I started to realise from the second book actually I could be a lot more involved. So all of the styling and setup of the photos, even more so in the third book, has been me, which I have loved. Because I am a creative soul, so we, I, had, uh, I very much had a conveyor belt ready to go. Whenever James turned up to take the photos, I had the bread ready to bake. I'd already decided how the photos were gonna look, got the props ready to go. So yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it, actually.
1: That's, that's great, and I must say, James's photography is fantastic. Now, let me put you on the spot. Of all the recipes that you've written, which is your favorite?
0: Do you know, it's, it's like picking your own, your favorite child. Luckily, I've only got one, so I only have one to choose from. Oh, so many. I love what I can do or what can be done with my enriched sourdough, because you can do so much with that dough. But of course, I always love my main master recipe. And I think about, you know, I've got some snug rolls in this new one, which have got raspberries and chocolate in them. Or I've got another one, which is a braid, which has got some ducca in it. Or, oh God, I've got so many.
1: I remember Scott Deedy describing his pizza base as a blank canvas, and that's a bit like you and sourdough, isn't it?
0: Yeah, to me that's what it is, especially if if you've got that dough, any kind of dough, it it can be your blank canvas, it can be anything. So when I'm thinking about a recipe, my starting point is my master recipe, and it's that usual amount of starter and liquid, and then work from there. So it's what's the liquid going to be, what add-ins do I want? do I want a standard dough that I'm then gonna use that to shape and manipulate? Or do I want flavors in the dough from the beginning? So yeah, it is, it's my, it is my black canvas. It's my, it's my palette, It's, it's all of it. And I know when I want to relax or to just get maybe back to my own headspace, I just make dough. And I think once you understand what makes sourdough work and you remove any fear or stress or nerves and you just go with your dough, you know, the, the enjoyment, the satisfaction and the calmness, you know, they, they talk about baking being therapy and it is, it can be, you know, once you realize how much you can enjoy it. But also one of the key reasons I wrote The Sourdough Whisperer, one of the things I wanted to share with people was how much you are in control of your dough. That you control it. It does not control you. So once you realize that, if you've made a bowl full of dough, but you can't do anything with it right there and then, you can shove it in the fridge and you can get on with your life and you can come back to it later. So once you realize actually there is a freedom in making this dough and making sourdough, it can be everything you want it to be. And it is, for me, it is relaxing.
1: So, three down, Uh, you've got plans for a fourth?
0: (laughs) It never stops, the brain never stops, you know, who's there, watch this space.
1: Well, we hope, we sincerely hope there will be a fourth book. So easy, everyday sourdough bread baking is available in the UK right now from Amazon and all good bookshops.
0: Yeah, um, lots of different places, there's small businesses you can support as well if you want to, but you can find it everywhere.
1: Well, that's it for this edition of the Food Bod Pod. Next time, we're going to be in a cheese factory in deepest Somerset.
0: Oh, I can't wait. That's amazing cheese. And to watch it being made, yeah, brilliant.
1: So thanks for listening. I'm David Trudway.
0: And I'm Elaine Boddy.
1: And this has been the Food Bod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flower.